let's turn to John chapter 8 this morning. We've been talking uh, from this passage for a couple of uh, uh, weeks uh, now. I have uh, one other uh, thought I just want to give you. So small groups, the real God, we are looking forward to, to that. Uh, January, we always think of uh, January. We're getting ready for March. That's our ministry year beginning. So I want you to think about finding a ministry and getting involved. We want to do three things around here, minister to you. We think we can do that online and on site in our uh, services, uh, building relationships, getting in a small group, and then getting involved. And so we want to encourage you to get involved. If you're not currently using your abilities uh, to build God's kingdom, we want you to do that. And we have a lot of uh, opportunities for you on that uh, as well. Next week, we're having a family service, and it's an entire choice family service, so it's 9 and 10.30. There's going to be a communion uh, service as well, so hope you will come prepared. If you're online, uh, we have uh, the uh, elements here for you, and uh, you can pick those up, or if you need uh, somebody to transport uh, that to you, we can do that as well. But uh, so a communion service for our church family next Sunday as well. Now, so all family service, nursery, preschool, elementary, teens, adults, senior adults, uh, and uh, anybody that maybe I left out there. So we're, we're going to have a, a unique service, going to be a fun service as we uh, kind of wrap up the month of January. And then here's the one thing I want you to get. So I know we have several announcements, but I want you to get this real quickly. Starting in February, so February 7th, our nine o'clock service is going to change, all right? So during our nine o'clock service, we are going to make a change, and this is the change. It is going to become a full masked service, okay? Now, uh, let me tell you, my background of uh, the pandemic has started, right, exactly one year ago right now, and these, this information, I thought, okay, in a couple months, we'll be back to normal. Boy, did I miss that. You know, we talked about it in staff meetings and stuff, and I thought, okay, get through the summer, the fall, okay, maybe a little bit there. And, but the numbers are still increasing, and uh, for us to just better minister to our entire church family and our community, we are going to have two unique services. Our nine o'clock service is going to become a mass service. So before you come in, uh, while you're in the service, and then as you leave, we're asking you to have that mask. Elementary and up, uh, that will be the case during our nine o'clock service. Uh, the, during the 1030 service is exactly as it has been since we came back uh, after we went online for a little while. So that service is going to remain entirely the same. Now, why would we do it? Well, our theme, our uh, purpose uh, statement is to impact lives for God's glory. And we just want to impact lives. And so uh, if you uh, currently aren't coming, you're online and one of the reasons is you would like a fully mass service, the nine o'clock service will be that. We want you to come. Let other people know about that as well. And uh, if you're not real big on masks, you know, every time I walk in Walmart or where, wherever, uh, you know, I wait till I'm at the door and kind of put it up, and then as soon as I walk out, I put it down and take a breath so I can breathe again. I don't know, maybe it's just psychological or whatever, but, you know, I'm not a, a great fan of masks. But you know what? If people will uh, come and join us and as Pastor Ryan had mentioned, uh, move away from isolation and come back here, 
Uh, you know what? Jesus went to a cross, right? I think I can wear a mask, all right? And so the uh, same uh, for us as well. And so 1030, if, if uh, you want things to remain the same, 1030 service is going to be exactly uh, the same. And we're going to continue uh, to keep physical distancing and uh, make sure we're not hugging, shaking hands, doing those things. Uh, but uh, the 9 o'clock service is uh, transitioning in February. So we, we'll uh, uh, just give, continue to give you information there. But uh, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. Now, I know we gave you a lot of announcements. So I've got about a 45-minute message I'll give to you. And uh, so listen quickly as I speak quickly, all right? So let's pray and we'll ask God's blessing. Dear God, uh, we have worshiped you today. We've had a number of uh, uh, announcements, and I pray that you would draw our minds to you. Help us to look into your word and to see our lives changed. For we do know your truth sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've seen the uh, Marvel movie, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange is a incredible doctor, very knowledgeable, a perfectionist, has been very successful in what he's done, and he's prideful in those accomplishments. Through an accident that leaves him disabled, he journeys to Kathmandu, where Hindu and Buddhism is predominant, and he looks for New Age healing. He eventually finds uh, his teacher to teach him enlightenment as he begins to walk in for this help. A guy says this, let me offer you some advice. Forget everything you think you know. Forget everything you think you know. Start over from scratch. He has an out-of-body experience, and there's a couple questions that uh, are asked, Dr. Strange. One is, what is real? And then, who are you? As we think of truth, this year we're talking about the truth setting us free. And we do live in a society that when our kids go to college, forget everything your parents taught you. If we go to the New Age movement, forget everything you know, just empty your mind out. But God tells us it's the truth that sets us free. And we're talking about aligning ourselves, our minds and our lives with the word of God because it's his truth that sets us free. To have a biblical worldview and understanding, being able to see the things that are in this world from God's perspective. You know, we all have beliefs, we all have experiences, hurts, our personalities, cultures. We all come from different backgrounds. Now there's one thing that's happening right now. I'm standing up here on stage, but the perception from the people on this side is compared to this side, it's a little bit different. There's one truth, but there are some different perspectives. If you're watching online, I don't know what camera. We have a camera over here on this side. And uh, hello, hey, uh, mom and dad, if you're uh, over there, great, uh, good to see you. We have a camera back here that's looking at us, and we have a third perspective of a camera that's over here. <clears throat> and no matter where you're sitting, uh, whether it's in your living room or in your office, wherever you would be, there's a different perspective. Now, it doesn't change reality but it does impact our reality. Now, before we look at the text, let me tell you a story, and 
if uh, uh, as we go through this story, you realize I'm a, a conservative person, but just think about history for a second. The founders of our country, there are one of two things that they could be. Our founders could either be good men with serious flaws because many of them were slave owners, correct? So they're good men with serious flaws or they're really bad men because they were slave owners. Now we all understand that slavery is a terrible part of our country's heritage. Our perception is how will we view our country, our founders, and our past? Let me ask you this question, and before you answer, uh, just think about it for a minute. When was our country founded? On what year was our country founded? So I was thinking about it, okay, 1492, that was Columbus, right? He sailed the ocean blue, so that wasn't it. AD one, well, that was Jesus's birth, that wasn't it. 1977, that's when Elvis died, so that isn't it. Okay, not, those aren't the dates. So if, if those aren't the dates, if you're online, think about it. If you're here, just say, out, what year was our country founded? 1776, all right, July 4th, 1776, because the Declaration of Independence was signed, correct? But... There is a curriculum, possibly if you have school-age kids that they are, are uh, learning this, and there's some that would be revisionist of history, and so I just kind of want to talk about this idea. Forget everything that you've ever known, and let's just start over. The problem with that, there's something called the 1619 Project. The 1619 Project is uh, someone that works for the New York Times as a uh, uh, put out this uh, curriculum, and you can find that online. There's a lot of material uh, uh, there. But the perspective of this is that our country was actually founded in 1619, not 1776. And the reason is the first slaves came to our country in 1619. And as the online material says, in order to understand the brutality of American capitalism, you have to start on the plantation. You may see the idea, the brutality of capitalism. So this certainly is not a person that believes in capitalism. You see, it's the evil capitalists that have brought these things about. So there is a revisionist history. The author even states wanting to change the narrative and reframe history or just forget everything that's in the past and start over. Well, President Trump, in order to combat that, came up with his own thoughts, and it was called the 1776 Commission. And President Trump had a, uh, a list of material, and really from, from people that I, I highly respect, but it was, uh, has been very criticized as well over uh, the past couple months since this material has come out. And, uh, uh, but he wanted a more patriot, patriotic history, more of a nationalistic heritage to talk about our heroes. Now, how many learned that George Washington said, Dad, I cannot tell a lie when he chopped down the cherry tree, right? We hear, and so we hear stories like that, and we, we lift up our national heroes, and we think, okay, man, George Washington could not tell a lie. Now, 
whether we hold to a 1619 revisionist idea or whether we hold to uh, more of a patriotic or nationalistic type thing, the reality, they both have some flaws. Are you with me? You understand, you know, we all have our own perspectives and if we're not careful, we write history and review history from our own perspectives. And so there would be minorities that would really like the 1619 project and then the majority culture may look more over to this culture or or, or the 1776 uh, commission as well. And when President Biden came in, one of the the, uh, executive orders he signed is to get rid of the 1776 commission. Now, why would I mention that? Just when you're looking at society, when you're seeing what's going on in politics or in our schools or as we study history, we have to be very discerning. And you have to kind of look at, okay, where is some truth from the 1619 project and maybe seeing some things from a perspective that I hadn't looked at and where are the truths from the 1776 commission as well and realize that we all have our own perspectives, we all kind of see things from our own ideology if we're not careful. Now, I think one of the best statements of history is we better learn from history lest we repeat it. It's not a good idea to forget everything you know, your history, your religion, your morals. As uh, Dr. Strange was asked, what is real? What is the truth? And who are you? What is your identity? In John 8, we see that Christ's identity was talked about. He said, I am he. I'm the one that's gonna be lifted up to the cross. But the Jews around him rejected him. They criticized him. In John 8, we'll also see there are unbelievers, people that heard what Jesus had to say, but they rejected him. In John 8, 33, it says, they answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus says in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's descendants. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. You see that? Yes, I understand you, you have a heritage, a physical heritage where you came from. But look at your lifestyle because the word of God doesn't impact you. Verse 38, I speak what I've seen with my father and you do what you've seen of your father. They answered and said, Abraham is our father. He said, we are good moral Jews. We are good people. And in verse 39 Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children. Now he says, I know you're Abraham's descendants. You got that from physical birth. But you only become a child of Abraham when you trust by faith in Abraham's seed, which is Jesus. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. He's saying you don't become a child of God just because of the family you were born in, just because you were baptized, just because you're part of a church, just because you obey the 10 commandments. He was talking to the unbelievers. And then the third group that we saw in John 8, and we'll continue to see this morning, is the Christians. Notice verse 31. 
Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed, so there were people that believed. Notice, they were believers, but he distinguished them through the rest of the verse. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. It's one thing to believe in Jesus, but if you really wanna be a disciple, you have to be in the truth. If you wanna be a disciple indeed, a true disciple, he's saying, you've got to be in the word of God. If you abide in my word. So here's my question, are you a believer or are you a disciple today? Well, I remember the point I trusted Jesus as my savior, I prayed and asked him, to come into my life, but here's the question. What is going on on a daily basis? Am I a follower of Jesus? Am I learning from him? Am I in church? Am I in a small group? Am I having family devotions? Am I having personal devotions? Am I a disciple? But not only does he distinguish whether you are a believer or a disciple, this morning we're going to see that Jesus said, are you a slave? Or are you a son? Look with me at verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Again, they were focused politically. They were focused on their religious heritage. And he says, we've, they, they said, we've never been in bondage before. How can you say we will be set free? We're Abraham's descendants, everything's good with us. Verse 34, Jesus said, most assuredly, the King James says it this way, growing up, verily, verily, truly, truly, most assuredly. I'm telling you the truth here. My brother used to do that, he he would talk and he said, now let me tell you the truth. And I was like, well, weren't you telling me the truth before? You know, but uh, I I kind of joked with him about it, but Jesus says the same thing. He's saying here, let me tell you the truth. Verily, verily, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now think how bad slavery is. All of us here would hate slavery, the idea of owning another human being, how terrible it is. But God says, if you commit sin, if you are consistently practicing what the word commit means, if you are abiding in sin, you are a slave to sin. It is controlling you. As we sang earlier, bring your failures, bring your addictions. God doesn't want us to be a slave. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Now look at verse 35. He talks about what a slave is. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. You know, Jesus is talking about the way slaves would have been treated in his time. A slave could come into the house, maybe they're serving food, they're cleaning the house, they're taking care of the kids. Maybe even occasionally they could enjoy the warmth or something that was within the house. But it was not their house. And they understood it didn't belong to them. They were slaves. And Jesus asked this question, are you a slave or are you a son? A slave comes into the house temporarily, but I want you to know, a son abides 
forever. Do you know what? I have four kids. If they come to the house, they knock on the door. Hey, can I come in? Who is it? Uh, it's your kids. Um, let me see. Can you come back later? That's not going to happen, is it? You can come in, right? Hey, can I have something out of the refrigerator? Well, you know what? They don't ask. They just go. You know why? Because it's their house. And one day, they inherit it. It becomes theirs. It's theirs forever. Why? Because they're a son. You see, we are children of God. And as a disciple... Yes, we are to be disciplined. Yes, it is about being obedient. Yes, it is about doing the right thing. You think of a young man joining the military. He learns discipline. He learns to follow orders and to do that which is right and to uh, hear is the word from his leader and he better go and do it. And as a disciple, we willfully become servants of our God. We become his disciples, right? But the truth does much more than just make us disciples. We are sons. We are children of God. We enter into relationship with Jesus forever. It's not just about following the words on this page, but it is living in honor to the one that loved us and died for us. The one that offered us his grace. He communicates with us. He gives us joy and peace. Isn't that the atmosphere you want in your home? Now, maybe you don't always have that kind of atmosphere in your home, but that's what God wants there to be in your home. Love, joy, and peace, good communication, a place where people uh, come into and feel welcome and accepted, a place of love, a place uh, of joy, a place where you can just hang out and be yourself. That is the Father's house. First Timothy, when he says, this is how I want you to behave in the house of God, he's not talking about this building. He's talking about the household of God, the family of God. The moment you were born into the family of God, God became your father, and we became brothers and sisters in Christ when we sing out or we pray out, our father, which art in heaven. That relationship Jesus clarifies it. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And here's how he concludes this whole idea of truth. Therefore, because of everything I just said, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Well, he said earlier, the truth sets us free. Here he says, the son sets us free. What's the distinction? Well, they're both the same. Jesus said, I am the word, and Jesus said, I am the truth, right? We have the physical word, and we have the written word. Both are alive. Both are speaking to us. The truth of God's word and the truth of God's son, we can have a relationship. We can understand the revelation of God because God is speaking to us and we enter into community with him. Don't forget everything that you know. Build your life on the truth. Don't look to secularism, or or as we began this morning, or to new age enlightenment. Stick to the simple truths of God's word.
so we can determine what is real and who you are. Build our life on the truth. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, the Son sets you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, truly, completely, authentically. If you've never accepted him, trust him. If you have, stop being a slave. Don't let sin control you. Bring your failures, bring your addictions, take them to the foot of the cross, and let's live in relationship to God's word, God's people, and our Savior, the Son of God. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for the truth. May the truth not just be words written on a page, but may they be a truth that is written on our heart and lived out in our life. Thank you for your grace that saves us. Thank you for your mercy that forgives us. We ask for cleansing this morning when we act more like slaves than sons. May we enjoy our relationship with you. May you speak to us. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. Help us to grow in our uh, communion with you, to understand you better, and to understand the life before us. May we live in discernment. May we know the truth, and may we live the truth in freedom in our life. Help us to be authentic. May we be real. May we be disciples indeed and to be free indeed because of our relationship with you. Friend, if you got some issue in your life, just ask for cleansing. If you've gotten off track from God's word, make a decision. I'm gonna get in God's word. I'm gonna be faithful to church. I'm gonna get connected to a small group. I'm gonna talk to my family about spiritual matters. And if you're listening this morning, you're not certain of heaven. Jesus died for you that you could have eternal life. Call upon his name. Ask for forgiveness so he can take you to heaven when you die.